Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is from Estonia and has been working remotely since 2015. In that time, she has visited 40-plus countries, led teams from 5 to 150 people, and founded a co-working space in Estonia. She owns a boutique agency that helps clients to create, launch, and manage affiliate and referral programs. Annalyn, welcome to the show. Very excited to have you here. Why don't you take a moment and kind of walk us through your backstory? Yeah, so long story short, when I was in the university, I was studying uh, political science. But quickly I learned that public sector and all of that is not really my thing. And I was a really, really active student. When I look back, I think that is one of the key moments I had that actually has shaped my life, that I was an active student. And that means that I was doing like student politics and like uh, different kind of activities, organizing events and all of that. But with that, I understood that actually I like to like lead projects and do marketing because like organizing events, it was also selling tickets and all of that. So I realized, okay, maybe that's more my thing. And then for my master's, I went already to study cross media. So I had like a little touch of, of marketing. And then I already wanted to start really working. And I joined some startups for my first marketing jobs and so on, while also studying master and while also being an active student. And that quickly led me to a burnout when I realized that, okay, like this is way too much. And that burnout took me to a realization that, okay, I have to sit down, take time and think and plan out what I actually want from my life. And that was around 2015. And then I decided that, okay, I am curious. I like to travel. I like to do my own thing, be flexible. And I definitely like marketing. And that led me to take a one-way flight to U.S. and uh, figure out how to work remotely and not to come back immediately, <laughs> which means I had some buffer and some time to to figure out like how to make money online. And that this is where my journey began. Okay, amazing. So you arrived in the United States. Did you have things figured out like on day one from when you arrived or, or what was that story like? No, I had some friends there and they kind of asked me to join there. So, and they were at that time, they were in 500 startups with their startup. So I had the place to go. But when I arrived there, then I actually had no idea. I had no idea why did I didn't, I, I, I dropped myself out from my master. I left all my jobs and everything. So then I was like, oh, okay, now I'm here. Now I have X amount, which means I have like a runway for maybe two and three months, but then I have to have income. All right. And then I started to figure out everything from zero. I think I still have maybe the file somewhere. It's really hilarious where I was Googling how to make money online. And then there was like 50 options, uh, more or less, that I that I Googled out. And then I started to like, okay, analyzing which one would be the most potential one. And also like which one I would like actually like to do. And then I started my Upwork profile. And then from there it took me, of course, a good few months to like set it up. And also like people don't really trust new profiles which me as an entrepreneur today hiring also from Upwork sometimes don't trust (laughs) very funnily yeah it it was just at the beginning a lot of just need to have some courage and uh, you have to be okay to get like 
60 to 100 no's. And once I got my first gig with a really low price, almost for free, then that was the starting point to start like, you know, growing from there. So yeah, definitely I didn't have an idea, but I think what helped me was that I had limited time when I had to figure it out or go home. And this is what I, I notice nowadays with my friends or, or, or people around me. It's like, oh, it's hard to start. No, it's actually not hard to start if you don't have an option and you, you just have uh, very limited uh, resources and time to figure it out. Then you most likely you're going to figure it out. But if you are in your comfortable day job and you have time and you kind of don't have to and stuff like that, that then yeah it may take years and years till people actually you know go out and then try it and then see what can happen and then actually start to build their their life as they want to see it in the future well i think there's a lot to that because i mean that's the same concept of burning your boats so it's like you have to make this succeed or i mean you're not going to eat like you have to have this done so exactly you know watch an episode of tv or read a magazine or get to work i mean the choice becomes very very simple and as to your point of upwork i fully understand i mean i've never been hired on upwork i hire other people on upwork and i've probably spent about 5 6 maybe even 700,000 dollars on staff on upwork over the last 6 7 8 years and when i put up a job there's no way I am hiring someone who has zero dollars earned on Upwork or it's their very first gig. I mean, I'm looking at all I the know, reviews. I know, so sad, Yeah, right? no, it's, it's true though. I mean, I want to work with someone who has proven and who has, has reviews. So those are super, super important for sure. Exactly. Yeah, hard, hard times at the beginning, but well, it, it makes you stronger, I guess. <laughs> so then first of all, I guess, tell us about your business and what it is you do and what you specialize on now. Yeah, so when I started, it, that was a journey on its own as well. Like I, I was like, I knew I'm interested in marketing. Marketing when you're like when you're younger, and then that time I was like, okay, it's such a marketing. It's like marketing is everything. I mean, it can be content, it can be social media, it can be ads, it can be SEO. I'd like you name it, right? So I think at the beginning I was just trying to like figure out and and do as many different kind of projects possible to learn and do like simple things to understand what's going on. And then eventually since 2018, I found my niche. I joined a startup called uh, Safety Wing. It's a Y Combinator company. And the point there was that we always thought, I joined uh, among one of the first uh, team members. So I was like, I think there was less than 10 people. Today there was, there's 200 or more. And we were thinking that, okay, it's an insurance. product is insurance. People like most likely would not buy insurance from an ad. It's really like something that is like, and needs to build trust. Influencer marketing or partnerships and these kind of things would work better as, as we can collaborate with people. They can try it out and they can share their experience in a, with a good quality content in an authentic way uh, to their audience that already trusts them. So this is where I started to learn about it, totally learning by doing how to do partnerships, how to do how to work with influencers, how to set up uh, like affiliate program. And we coded platform by ourselves and it was a lot of work until we saw first instructions. It took like a few months to even figure the strategy out and, and build physically the, the platform. We didn't use any kind of third party, but we used our own in-house coding sources. And then, um, yeah, in six months in, that, that was the turning point when like the content started to come out, the first sales come, started to come in. We had like some cool partners onboarded. And soon after there was already first partners started to come to us as like, hey, I also want to collaborate with you and stuff like that. Fast forward today, the company has now raised a total thing more than $40 million and the affiliate program that I started in 2018 is making more than 300,000 sales every month till now and growing. And I, I fell in love with affiliate marketing, influence marketing and partnerships. That's definitely my jam. And that success story led me to speaking and doing workshops and all of that, sharing the experience and so on. Because also I feel that this is something that protects actually business owners as well. I saw a few cases when like, oh, Facebook took their um, 
page down. Oh, Google changed the algorithm. It's like all the time something you are dependent on others. And it's very hard to like, it is better to lay, you lay your eggs in different baskets, which exactly affiliate marketing is because through other people, you are covering all those areas. Like you have these influencers, maybe social media followers, you have that partner's email list and so on. And yeah, consulting led me to this, that people started to ask me like, oh, but information is great and knowledge, but can you do this for me? And I was like, oh, okay. I like to work, but I don't like to work like, you know, like 80 hours per week. So yeah, two, three years ago, I started to hire my first team members. And today we are the Citarian agency. We offer affiliate marketing. Uh, we also do referral programs, influencer marketing, and also B2B partnerships. We start everything for companies from zero to launching, and then we manage them and we grow them. One of the oldest clients are since 2018, so he's doing, but also like for years and years, but also we do shorter, longer term, different kind of projects. Uh, we are a team of uh, 10. We are a woman-only company, remote, uh, all over the place and growing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think this is so important for my program because all the time I have people who want to understand how they can earn an income online, you know, build their business or grow their business. They want to do things remote. They want to live in a different country, whether that be a digital nomad or be an expat and have a home in a different country. So I think that this is so important. Now, why don't we back up a little bit and really explain to the audience who is not familiar with affiliate marketing, how these types of things work and maybe what some of the advantages are for this type of marketing. Yeah. So we can start from this, that the affiliates are really different than influencers and B2B partnerships. So let's take these headphones. Uh, for example, this is uh, one headphone product. Let's say that we have this microphone company as well. You could do a B2B partnership between those companies because it's very possible that these companies have similar audience like me because I have bought them both, right? So you could, if you are this company, you could reach out to this company and say like, hey, let's do like, I don't know, giveaway or let's share each other's information for our audiences and we can both earn, like you can double your audience pretty much with one collaboration and then both of you can earn much more from it and you just use affiliate links and, and tracking platforms to actually track it and, and then do payouts and, and all of that. So this is B2B partnership. Influencer would be if you, Mikkel, are influencer, right? You have like tons of influence in TikTok and Instagram. And I would be managed like also again from this headphone company. And I'm like, okay, I want people to hear about us uh, in social media. And then I would reach out to you, me as an agency on behalf of my client. And like, hey, I see you are doing this. You are having a podcast. There's a lot of like entrepreneurs and also people traveling for sure. They would like this brand because it's so good for flying and very good for podcasts and everything. And let's collaborate. And you are like, sure, but how? And I would explain you that saying that, okay, we can do this, that we can give you the headphones for free. So you can uh, do posts about them, test them out and give a review. Maybe we can agree on like five posts. And then also you can, you should use your affiliate link. And with this affiliate link, you can also earn commission. And for an entrepreneur, for my client, it's very good because you can just, you can do product seeding. Uh, we can get cool photos with you wearing them and podcasting and traveling and all of that. And then also we pay you extra based on sales, which is like risk-free for the business. It's really good. So it's really win-win solution. Like you can earn, the company can earn, audience gets what they want because me as an agency, I have uh, like, uh, you know, picked these kind of profiles that actually is like relevant for the audience. And basically everybody are happy. With referral program, it's uh, basically, let's say I'm using this and I'm praising this brand right now. And by the end of the podcast, I would say that, okay, here is uh, Bose NL in uh, 50 off and I'm sharing the link with my family and friends. But it's not like really like I'm, I'm doing a campaign, but it's just that I casually want to give like a little discount. Uh, but it uh, like, like, and maybe I'll get another accessory from them uh, later. It's not necessarily necessarily I earn money, 
which influences and affiliates want to earn money because that's their full-time job. With referrals, normally it's their happy client who generally recommend the product and they maybe get some extra, but it's more about like yeah, sharing uh, experience with friends and family. And then there's affiliates, traditional affiliates too. We mentioned like affiliates and influencers, they go together in my case, because I don't only want to, some companies I see they work with influencers and just like, okay, take this money, do the stuff and that's it. But I don't think it's really good. I think it's good to put them together. If you work with an influencer like that, that prepayment, they just do their stuff, but they don't care. But it's better to have a long-term collaboration and actually make them work for that more and long-term and they can also earn more. So everybody earns more with this kind of long-term collaboration and they can earn from sales as well. They're more motivated to do actually sales as well because they have some reason behind it. With just sponsorships, you don't really have that reason. So affiliates can also be blogs or affiliate networks or websites, all kinds where they can put a display ad on their own website. I have a link behind it. And also affiliate networks, right? There's a lot of like traditional affiliates with sites or, or even online magazines and so on. It's like Commission Junction, Sharesell, Evin, Evin, Rakuten and so on. So Huge area, a lot of things. So as to sum it up, uh, business to business partnerships are available between companies. Referral programs are when a happy client uh, shares information to friends and family. Social media influencers who can display and product in social media, earn from commission, show the product and create also content for you. That is, I think, really big one. And then uh, traditional affiliates with networks, websites and so on that also will support your SEO in the future as well. Well, I think affiliate work is a lot of people's first venture into making money online. I know it was for me. I did a ton of affiliate work probably seven or eight years ago when I got into you know, trying to build an online business and an online brand. And it's something you can do with even having a very, very small audience if it's niched it down and they have a specific focus and you find relevant products and services that are going to be attractive to your audience, then you can offer. And I say this is all easier because instead of going out there and creating an entire course or program or product or some type of service, you know, and doing all of that work first and then seeing afterwards if it resonates, what you're doing is finding a viable product that already has a track record that already converts and you can see all this type of information and then just making people in your network or in your audience aware of it. I used to do a ton of affiliate work and I think it was a great way to get started. Now with you, do you see that a lot of the influencers you work with or a lot of the affiliate marketers you work with that they have grown into this or did they start there and move on to other things? What's your opinion on the level of these people? Yeah, it really depends on, on my client. If there's a client with a bigger budget and they want to grow fast, then I can work with macro influencers who have a big audience. It's a totally different game where we do like big campaigns, we do sponsorship product and commission and stuff like that. If I have a smaller startup or starting and so on, then we work normally with micro influencers who are exactly this kind of like smaller accounts, maybe even sometimes less than 10,000 followers or like around there. And they're really niche. And then there I'm able to work with product only and we don't have maybe the budget for a big sponsorship and stuff like that and we can still make things happen but i have all kind of cases i mean sometimes it's like crazy i see sometimes influencers coming to me like okay yeah i have 5k followers and that this is my budget and i'm like wow okay and then i have a huge one like basically yeah commission only is okay and uh, or i have people who are pretty big and they don't really know how to work with products or i have seen all kinds of combinations so it's really like yeah for some people i see they're still like yeah they should definitely open themselves up a little bit have a little bit there's so much information about how to work with brands so definitely if you have audience right now and you haven't leveraged it yet or, or used it then just have a, a one afternoon googling how to work with brands and and reach out to few and then you will it was you can actually make extra money so definitely agencies like me we're all the time also looking for a, a especially micro influencers because actually we see that it's one of the best ways to go for the brands because normally their engagement rate is higher they're really niche and also they are cheaper or we can do commission only and product only deals and eventually, yes, it's more work, but it's more ROI, a return of investment for the client. So that's what we're after. 
Well, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if my audience has been following me for any length of time, they know that I actively push out people, which I feel are not going to be good clients for my business. And I would rather have a smaller group of people, but really hyper-focused on on one type of thing. I don't want to apply to everybody. I would never want people to just look at me and go, oh, Mikkel, yeah, he's okay. Like, Either you love me or you hate my fucking guts. And I'm okay with that because I want an emotional reaction out of people. I never want things to be like lukewarm or vanilla or anything like that. You need to have some type of a response. So with smaller influencers and very, very niched and really specific on one type of thing, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. And I think that that is the direction that a lot of things are going. You know, that is the trend. When you look at big, dumb companies with ad budgets and they have no idea where their money goes because they don't track anything. It's just advertising. It's brand awareness or brand building. Like I followed direct response marketing. You know, if I put a dollar in, I want to get $2 out. And so these types of things are a lot more trackable. And with the technology we have today, as you were saying, you know, affiliate programs and platforms and tracking links and custom this and custom that. I mean, you can really get very micro on all of this type of information. So you know what is happening. If you put a dollar in, you do get a dollar back. You can track that. And if you're only getting 50 cents back, then you move on to something else. You find something else which is going to crack the code on these types of things. Yeah, exactly. And you can track, like, if we're talking about tracking, it's like, let's say we have one big influencer and they get one tracking link, right? But in the system that we use, I mean, we use Lead Dino, we use First Promoter, Up Promote, Green, Referral Rock, depending on the client, we are using different SaaS platforms. You can also do sub links for that one influencer, which means that the influencer could put like, okay, I put this sub track link to my newsletter and this one for my social media in TikTok and this one in the Instagram. And we can literally tell then exactly which post made how much uh, registration sales, whatever was the conversion there. And because we can see, okay, this link and then the time the sale come in is this time, which means that it was this post. So we can go really detailed and, and yeah, it's, it's super important if you, if you have that information, then you can understand that what actually works, what doesn't work, you can optimize and then you can scale in the right direction. So I have a question, and this is personal just for me. I don't know if anyone else will find this interesting, but with your experience and the different social media platforms, as well as podcasts and YouTubes and email newsletters and all these types of things, what have you seen is the most effective for this type of marketing? Yeah, so my favorite, if you want to do a long-term collaboration and you want to see long-term impact, are websites and YouTube. And the reason, there's two reasons, is because it stays out there forever. And what do I mean about it is when you post on Instagram, it's gone really fast. Like, depends how many followers you have. I mean, the algorithm will push it back really fast because there's so many, so much content that is coming, coming up. So that's a little bit, okay, stories is a little bit better. At least it stays like, you, it's, you know, it's always in front there and people normally go, like, stories has more engagement nowadays than posts. But YouTube and website, it stays there. If you have any kind of product updates, you can always get in touch with your partner, affiliate influencer, and they do updated, which is again good for SEO. Yeah, that's like a long-term thing and also high-quality content and stuff like that. But it also a little bit depends now on the product. So if it's a summer dress, nobody will go down and write like read like a huge blog post about it. So it depends if it's a, the longer the sales cycle. So for example, it's more expensive, high ticket, or it's like something you have to consider a little bit more. Maybe it's self-insurance or your dog food. Like, for example, you don't buy your dog food randomly, right? Uh, unless you really hate your pet. And then, so then you would read more and then definitely like blogs and YouTube. If your objective is that, okay, I have this new cool product. It's so viral because it's super cool. It's like new patented technology, blah, blah, whatever. I want people to quickly know we have a Kickstarter campaign, then social media, because you can tag quickly. It can spread spread, people share, it goes much faster. So in that case, right, TikTok and Instagram would be for that. So yeah, 
it a little bit depends. But I personally still like the long-term version more because actually I can work with partners for a long time. We can do one blog post, then we can do something else, then we can grow. And you can really see that how the collaboration grows and how affiliates are earning more every month with us. And then like every, like I like this kind of thing versus with like quickly fast and then you find new ones, you know. In some cases, product launches and stuff like that, product seeding, uh, PR, this kind of thing, then sometimes, yeah, social media is better. But yeah, I stick with. Makes sense. Yeah, whatever client needs, whatever their objection, we can adapt. And then based on that, we put the plan together. Well, it makes sense. And I mean, for me, I'm not a big fan of social media, especially with the suppression of information and the reach that just keeps going down and down and down. I mean, Facebook reach is notoriously bad. So if you put all your time and energy effort into building a Facebook following, your Facebook page is going nowhere. No one is seeing that. It's completely I mean, suppressed. So, I mean, I run a seven-figure business and I run it on the back of this podcast and my email newsletter and my blog. I mean, it's not through Facebook or Twitter or God forbid, Instagram or LinkedIn or something like that. Like that's just not where my clients come from. And if you follow me on social media, you see I have 5,000, 10,000 followers, not a huge following by any stretch of the imagination. And with that kind of following on social media, you're not doing a seven-figure business, maybe not even a six-figure business on that. But with an email newsletter and with a really solid blog, and I quite enjoy podcasting, it is possible to grow these types of things uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I'm the same. Same vibes. Um, I don't have any kind of uh, social media for uh, for a digital agency either. And also, I don't... I don't think I will have because also like, and I think also that not, you don't, any kind of entrepreneur shouldn't feel bad about it because it's a lot of work. And if, if you really want to do it, you have to like it and you have to really want it to do that. But I also like, yeah, I would rather also like work on my, I want to now like start also a little bit blogging about this topic, about affiliate influencer marketing and so on. But also like currently also have other, other types of way, how I get my clients or how clients come to me. So yeah, everybody has to find their jam, but if, if their jam is, the social media and they get their clients there, then that's it. But I think either way, whatever it is, it's important to focus than not to think that you can do everything perfectly and uh, because that's too much. Rather have like yeah. your few sources and focus on that and do that good. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that fully because the more platforms you're on, the more you're spreading yourself out. And I'm not necessarily following my own advice. We're on so many different platforms, but we've also been doing this for a long time and I've got a team of people who help me. I don't have to do every single thing myself. I don't have to schedule every single post. You know, I have someone that's going to assist me with those types of things. But I guess the other point I should make is that really people are having success on every platform that is imaginable. It really doesn't matter. Like you mentioned TikTok before. I would absolutely despise doing TikTok videos every day. That would just not resonate with me at all. Or Pinterest or LinkedIn. Like, I mean, there's people on LinkedIn who are doing a million dollars a year by promoting on LinkedIn. No, thank you. For me, it's dull as dirt and I just don't want to do it. But put me in front of a microphone and I get to do podcasting. Great. I mean, I'll do this all day long, every day, because I love audio content and I just, I love consuming it. I love creating it. And it's, it's very easy and fun for me. So for sure, as you said, you have to pick which one is going to speak most to you and then focus on that and not water down your message on a thousand and one different platforms. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So what would you suggest for I guess we can come at it from two different points of view. Either a company who wants to scale using influencer marketing or maybe create an affiliate program for the business. Yeah, let's go into that first. And then I want to ask you about from the other side for any of my listeners who already have an audience and are looking to leverage that a little bit more, any tips or tricks or anything like that. Because they're two different things, but they kind of meet in the middle. So for a company, so I can a uh, little bit uh, tell what are our processes at Digitarial. So normally we're able to set up a program around to see some movement within a few months. So normally the first steps what we take is uh, the first week normally goes into that, that we really we really dig in into our client and see like who they are, who is their market, what's their target audience, competitors and so on. 
to understand everything. Like our first week normally goal is to, to get into the business as much as possible, to have really good research done and, and to understand everything to be able to move on quickly then. Then uh, also we have to pick out the, per- the perfect affiliate management SaaS system for you. So uh, if you're a subscription business, I would recommend First Promoter. If you are a Shopify site, my favorite would be UpPromote. And, you know, it really depends. Or if you want to work with coupon sites or stuff like that, not my favorite preference. But if you really do, then, okay, we're going to set up a network for you. So there's we analyze that and then start setting up a program, which normally takes a good few weeks to set it up, set it up properly. At the same time, we also create like a website in the second, third week on your website where the affiliates can sign up. So for example, yourbusiness.com slash affiliates or partners. And then there we're going to say, okay, this is the program we have. So putting together the strategy, the offering for the affiliate. And then we have all that information there. And then there's, okay, put your information. And then they put, okay, join. And that goes to the backend SaaS system that we have also connected. And that's how it works. Then the affiliates will have their own dashboard. They can log in and they can see, okay, here's all the marketing materials that we have uploaded there for the company. This is how to promote us. This is the messages to use. And so all of this, like building up the SaaS system, the landing page, a strategy, what are we offering and all of that, that happens normally within like first uh, three, four weeks. And then we test everything and the system should be good to go. And meanwhile, the other team members are already researching the leads after doing the strategy. We already know who we want to reach, reach out to. So we start lead outreach also from the first week. So by the time of the launch, which happens normally on the fourth week, fourth, fifth week, depends how complicated is the program. Then we already have like a few hundred leads good to go and we can already test out. We use outreach CRMs depending on the client. It can be Close.io or HubSpot or our favorite is Busstream and Pipedrive. And then we have all the leads there. We have tested different kind of ways how to outreach and full automated funnels. To After the launch, we start to adding leads every week. After a few weeks, more or less, the answer starts to come in. Sometimes if the product is uh, people know about it, that it's already older company, we get answers like the next day and we are able to start the onboarding our partners. Sometimes when it's a younger company, Especially it's problematic when they don't have anything by themselves and they think that, okay, NLN, come fix my business. I don't have any other sales or marketing channel. Come and do magic. Then it's very hard for me to onboard also uh, partners, right? So so that's why it's a very huge difference. And so today also, like we, we rather pick our clients. At least it has to be like a little bit like matured company with already existing and happy clients. So I can prove to the partner like, like, yes, it is a good company. You can trust it and you can recommend that to your audience and you'll be good and your audience will like it. So, yeah. I, and now I went a little bit into another topic, but but basically, yeah, this, this is how it works. Then on the last, like, fourth, fifth, sixth week also, terms and conditions, marketing materials for the affiliates, right? All of that. And then we launch it also in the internal channels, like the company's own, own space. And then after the launch and all of that, yeah, just weekly, constantly, we're starting to get uh, jumping on the calls with bigger partners. We represent our clients. We add leads. We negotiate them. Some of them, we send out products by ourselves as well. We see that everything will work. Some of them, we need a longer negotiation if it's a big deal and they want to do like a six-month like website featuring us and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a process and, and every partner is individual. If it's the bigger they are, the, the more you have to like communicate and like make sure everything gonna go great but also there's a big amount that it can be automated like after the launch like so normally we do like there's both happening there's some influencers who go through the system and they launch and they do everything they order their own product and everything no single word and it works but then there's also bigger ones that needs a lot of maintenance and developing the partnership so yeah, and then we keep we keep repeating that working and then measuring seeing KPIs improving and repeat Hey, did you know that we actually do monthly webinars at expatmoney.com? That's right. If you go to our website and you go to the resource tab and you click the drop down menu, you will see one that says webinars. And every month we are putting out a new 
webinar presentation. And these are amazing. We've had fantastic reviews about them. And we're getting hundreds of people on the line, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on the line. And sometimes the Q&A goes on for a very long time. But we are doing webinars on Panama, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Mexico, Costa Rica. We're doing webinars on NFTs and different workshops to do with cryptocurrency. We're doing webinars on privacy and protection. And there's so many amazing webinars that are coming out. So these are completely free to attend, but you need to register for them. And I highly suggest you register in advance because a lot of them, we're completely booking out the software. There's actually a max with these softwares, how many people that they can hold. And I think on the last two or three of them, we completely maxed out the room. So that means that no more people could register. So if you guys go to expatmoney.com, go to the resource tab, go to the dropdown, and you'll see webinars. Click on that and you will see all the upcoming webinars and participate. Join in, get your questions answered. It's an amazing resource. And if you're not participating, well, I just don't know what to tell you because these are fantastic. Anyways, go to expatmoney.com, sign up for our upcoming webinars. So have you found on this front certain types of businesses that work quite well for this type of marketing? Yeah, definitely. So the, like physical products are the best. If it's a service, it's harder. Yeah, SaaS, especially SaaS services, I think it's it's the hardest. Doable, but hardest. Easiest is definitely all kind of e-commerce, physical products in all prices, sizes, and shapes. What about information products? Same, not my favorite, because the partner can't showcase it. Look, here's mm. a piece of information. <laughs> so it's the absolute favorite is definitely the physical product because of that we have so many more options i mean we can go all over the social media we can go to blog posts where you can showcase we can go to youtube like it's so much more interactive fun all of that you, yeah with information is also doable but also you have just like for me just like the playground is, is smaller i would say just just because of that so Technology, clothing, fashion, home goods, yeah. cooking, these types of things. Anything physical that people have an appetite for buying that can buy lots of, or even if they have something changing to a different type of product or, or something like this. Yeah. Though we have also services and actually two very successful case studies, but this is like just my favorite because like I like to see the content. You know, it's so cool to see like when, when you, you see your, you can actually touch your work, so to say. That's why it's my person. But we actually do also ETEC. We do Prep Expert. Uh, it's a Shark Tank company. Mark Cuban is investor there. They do SAT prep courses. And we have been with them like two years plus, something like that. That would be an information product. That would I totally know, be an I information. I know, totally, yeah. very much, <laughs> very much. But if you ask my personal favorite, but yeah, as a we, we do, we do, we do. And then also insurance product is a subscription. So safety wing, that's like the one that I mentioned before that we do $300,000 every month and growing. So definitely, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. Still, they are doable, definitely doable. Maybe the hardest is then to like, at least I think it has to be business to consumer. And if it's just business to business, then I don't have the masses, like the masses to play with, you know, it's okay, network of, like of business owners or, or business magazine where, but I don't have so many like places to test and play around. But info products are, are doable, are doable, but preferably at least a B2, B2C and then, then it, the B2C, we have a lot of case studies. Yeah. Info products. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Now from the opposite side, but as we were saying, meeting in the middle for the person who actually has an audience or has a bit of a following and wants to grow that, or maybe leverage it a little bit more to earn a bit more income. What would you say for tips, tricks, strategies, ideas for them? Yeah. So I think if you have already an uh, audience and so on, then I think one way, okay, the low hanging fruit is to join networks because there with few clicks, you can access so many affiliate programs. So Commission Junction is one of the biggest, Avin, ShareASell. So yeah, like uh, see their terms and conditions and, and so on. And uh, they, I think have also, you're going to lose some percent from your income, I think for the, uh, for the platform. 
of course, but uh, it's still, I think it will take a lot of work off your plate. And with one network, you can access like hundreds, thousands, so on, relevant programs. And then you can just apply to join them. And a program manager like me and my team, we would uh, like check your profile and accept you. And then you can access the marketing materials, links and so on. And you can start putting out that information out there. If you are doing that, then always, if you want to be successful, then work together with the company. So you can always reach out to an affiliate the program manager like we are and saying like, hey, what, like ask for advice. Like, hey, what do you think, what would sell the best? What are, what are the best recently work campaigns or ads, maybe visuals you can share with me that I could maybe also use them. Can you tell me the best selling, I don't know, article? I also want to write a review article, stuff like that. Like you have people there who manages those programs, any kind of person in, in marketing team or is managing there, you can literally ask advice and, uh, and normally a good manager would give that without asking either. But, you know, you can always make sure that you try to do it the best way possible because the companies we do have that information right and uh, then also just think about your audience you know your audience the best right like think what they would like to know what would help for my audience because it would help to reach their goals then you would find those products and services and reach out to them and say like hey do you have an affiliate program i can join i have this audience Definitely, you can ask also from the company like that. Uh, oh, I have this audience. I think they're very interested. I would join, but also can I have a free product? And also I want to have a discount for my audience. And also maybe we can do a giveaway campaign so I can like attract, uh, like warm up my audience. And, and for example, you can give this one of these headphones for me, but also one of my audience. So we can I can collect some emails and then later on, you know, we can like uh, do more stuff and so on. So a lot of possibilities out there yeah just have to figure out what what is the best for your audience okay that makes a lot of sense yeah i don't do a lot of affiliate marketing anymore but you did say something that's very very important when you choose an offer for your audience make sure that it is hyper focused on something that they would want and then try the product yourself like i remember i bought many products to try them to see if this was something that i could actually put my name behind because for me in my business my name is my business i mean if i do something to tarnish my name or if i recommend a product exactly. or an investment or a service and it's not good or it's not as i said that would damage my reputation so I never, ever, ever, ever want that to happen. So I know, I say no. If 50 deals pass my desk, I say no to 49 of them before I would ever bring in an investor. And I'm usually putting my own money in first and I go through it because I'd rather be the guinea pig and I would rather lose money or, or have things. If they're going to go south, I want them to go south with me instead of you know anything happening to my audience. So when I put something out on the newsletter or on this podcast, like everybody should be very confident that it is a great product or great service or great investment because there's just no way that you should be allowing your name to get damaged with these types of things. It's amazing to make money and I, I'm a true blue capitalist and I love making money, but never at the expense of the greater business or my name or my reputation or anything like this. So don't just go out there and hawk whatever you can to whoever I mean, it's disingenuous and it's just not honest and you have to be really, really careful because people have put so much trust into you. You have to really show them respect by doing your research on these things. So I think it's really, really important. So next, I want to discuss with you a little bit about your travel because one of the main reasons that I had you on the program today is, first of all, because the work that you do, it's such a viable option. It's such a great option for people who want to be digital nomads and people who live overseas. So I'm really interested to hear some of your travel stories and some of the things that you have done while you've been able to work at the same time and kind of fund your passion, which is travel. Yeah. So... When I started, I was like really, you know, excited to finally like be traveling and be free and, and uh, being location independent. And I see that happening a lot that people at the beginning, when they start, then they are very eager to move on, like move around very fast and everything. And then uh, they start to move very fast. So I did the same. I was like, barely a month even in one country or stuff like that and and also when I was in one that country then I was like changing locations constantly and so on 
but it's great. I did some, um, I did Asia and, and so on. And uh, where most of the people start, I feel, because I guess like when you just start starting your business, then you have less resources. It's one of the cheapest places to go and so on. So this is how I uh, I see how it normally goes. Like people go there, move on very very, very fast. Then after some after one year, they get a little bit tired. Uh, then they start to stay in one place like already more than a month and few months and so on. So then I did that. <laughs> then I stayed like okay, let's stay in a few places more. Let's be here in three months and let's be like okay, where I was. Let's say like in in Mexico three months and let's be in Rio four months and let's like be in Bali four months. Let's let's slow down a little bit so you can have a little routine you can go do your workout you already know some people and and have your favorite uh, cafes and so on and that becomes basically when time passes let's say you're already like five years traveling then i see many of uh, of us become sl- uh, slow mats uh, so we have have seen enough we have done enough we have run around enough and then there was there will be a time when you you will start uh, appreciating your espresso machine <laughs> And then you will have your home base, which for me is now Mexico, where I'm currently where I'm now as well. And then, but I'm still free. So, which means that, okay, I, we were just like four months almost uh, traveling. We were uh, summertime, June, July, August, we were in, in, in Europe. And then also we went to Africa, we went to Botswana and Madagascar for two weeks and whatnot. So we were like, okay, Europe, Africa for like four months. And now we're back here in Mexico, but already in a month, we're going to be two weeks in Thailand for a conference and stuff like that. So while we still have our home base now, which is very nice, convenient and comfortable and everything, I'm still free and nomad so that's why it's kind of like slow mad is like a recent term I I hear from people who have been traveling like five plus years there will be a time when yeah you will be like oh yeah this dryer machine is really really nice <laughs> and, and so on yeah I understand that completely I started traveling over 20 years ago and I haven't stopped and I was go 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 at first and then it got slower and then slower and then slower Now I, well, probably for the last 15 years, I've always had a home base and the home base is always in a different country. And, you know, we have a couple of home bases around the world with our stuff in it. And then we always use that as a jumping off point for traveling to other places. But that's why, I mean, yeah, you can go a digital nomad and then maybe a slow mad that like you said, but eventually an expat, you live in the country, you get local friends, you have a legal right to live and work there with a permanent residency, possibly get citizenship, learn the language, you know, the culture, the community, all these types of things, and then use that as a jumping off point for exploring neighboring countries or, or that region. I think that's definitely, definitely the way to go about this. The more you travel, I think the more you will come to my way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, this is how it goes. <laughs> and it's so cool to see also like uh, people just uh, starting that journey and like, oh, that was so, so fun. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy why you, why you get tired <laughs> in five years. <laughs> but you still, it's like, it's so cool. You still have the possibility to go whenever you want. It doesn't mean that you, having a home base doesn't mean that you're stopping, not at all. It means just, that you are, you're just more comfortable, I guess. Yeah. I think it's actually makes things a lot easier because when you're on the road for large periods of time, you have to be very careful about everything you buy and everything you do. And you have to make sure you have the right plugs and things like this. Like we basically have an entire room just of suitcases and travel gear and camping stuff. And we were in Brazil for six months last year. Oh, I love Brazil. Amazing. So nice there. And, you know, we were bringing like our own knives for cooking and our own cutting board. And we had a, like a lot of our own stuff because we we're in Airbnbs for six months. So it's okay. You could bring that type of things. But I don't want to go to, I mean, I was in Aruba at the beginning of this year. I'm not going to want to bring that stuff to Aruba. We were staying at a five-star resort. So it's a totally different type of thing. So same type of thing. If you like to travel in different countries that have different types of climate, you can leave your winter clothing. Like I'm going to Uruguay, like right now I have my winter jacket in Uruguay waiting for me with some shirts and stuff like that waiting there for me. So it's not needed in Panama city. Like I live in downtown Panama city where it's 32 degrees Celsius and it's super hot. 
what do I need a heavy winter jacket for? It makes no sense. So as you have different bases and as you do these type of trips, then you can plan accordingly your life around this and your possessions that fit these type of lifestyle. Yeah. Though I have to say that the less you have like uh, these kind of like physical things, the better, but still like some things are worth having that you use pretty much daily. I mean, if you use your laptop daily, have a good laptop, you know, like uh, like a working desk and the standing desk and the extra, you know, the keyboard and stuff. If you don't want to mess up your, your back and or workout stuff, you know, like it's not like if I wanted to be clear that we definitely I, I don't promote like having having stuff or stuff like that. But but the things that actually matter and do your things, uh, your life, daily life better, I think these are, these are worth uh, having. You know, if yeah. you drink coffee every day, like why, why not enjoying it? Well, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, I bought one of the Italian espresso machines to take with us when we go to the Airbnb. Yes. I have a, a really nice penthouse apartment, two stories. So I have an espresso machine on the top floor and an espresso machine on the bottom floor. And then when I travel, yeah. I've got my espresso machine. Definitely. But um, Worth it. Yeah. For those of my listeners who have kids, certainly when you have kids, having a lot of stuff and having specialized things, there's no way of, of being a minimalist with this type of thing. I mean, at least in my opinion, I've got two gorgeous kids who I love and adore and they have more stuff than I do, more toys and more things. Absolutely. And we homeschool them and stuff. So it's like, you know, we've got all the reading material. My daughter has her own library with probably three, four, 500 books in it. And it's like, wow. you know, she kind of needs this type of stuff because, you know, we do it at home. Anyways, I think it's so cool to be able to, to showcase different ways that you can build a business. And, you know, today's conversation is really about the affiliate marketing and influencers and these types of businesses. But this is such a great option for anybody who's trying to figure this out, how to make money or how to take their business and move it offshore, move it to be an expat. And then how do you make it digital? Because over the last two and a half, almost three years now, we've really seen that like any type of business can go online. Like, there's, there's very little businesses that cannot go online. So then it's just learning about the tips and the tricks and all the technology that you can use to make it remote and then have that fit your lifestyle because I think that's what this is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so funny that I, I, I'm an interesting case study where, where I never have actually been in a traditional office. It's so funny, like straight from my university, I was like... I don't think it's, this is for me. And I kind of like, thankfully, really thankfully, I think that it's also because like both of my parents are like more independent and, um, and entrepreneurial and stuff like that. So it kind of like came to me easier, like versus like, all my fellow like uh, colleagues or, or friends or, or people from university. Like, uh, yeah, I was kind of like the only crazy one, I guess, to like take off and then like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Most of, but I think it definitely comes thanks to my, my parents and why I, I never really thought that I have to go to a normal office or, or, or this is not even something I really have to try, you know. I did some office stuff like, but it was still with the startup, you know. All the office was still with the startup, which is also like always very flexible, different and so on. So, yeah. And, but I think I haven't missed out anything. I don't think so either. So my last question is, how is Mexico? How have you enjoyed your time there? Do you recommend Mexico? What have the people been like? Have they been accepting of digital nomads and expats and slowmads that are living there? Yeah. Yeah. So I live in West Coast in Puerto Vallarta and it's really, really nice. So how we even actually got here when the pandemic started, then we kind of got stuck in Playa de Carmen. So in the East Coast. And we were there like four months and then my parents were like, oh my God, da, 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 da. Okay. I was like, oh, okay, great. Europe is panicking. I'm definitely not going there. So I was like, oh, US is also panicking. Okay. No. And I was like, okay, Mexican seems pretty chill. And they were like, it was one of the only countries that was still like, even if it was closed, it, you still found a way, I mean, to, to live pretty okay life. So we bought like a motorbike and we went out in the nature. Okay. Yeah. We didn't go out 
out and so on. But we had friends who we could do like a dinner in the garden, you know, go into nature and beach and so on. So it was still livable. And then we were taking like, okay, Mexican seems pretty chill, chill people, like nice. Okay, I guess when there is a, when the world is ending, it looks like a good place to be. <laughs> so, yeah. And then uh, uh, summer came, we went to Europe. Every summer we were in Europe. And then we're like, okay, we sh- it's getting cold. Let's. And then I was like, oh, let's see the other coast. I want to see. And I was like, oh, I want to see the wells and stuff. Puerto Vallarta is always a well season in the winter time. And I was like seeing the photos of Puerto Vallarta. I was like, oh my God, this mountain next to the sea it reminds me so much of Rio de Janeiro which is one of my favorite places in the world as well but Rio is just so crazy to live for a long time because it's like it's, it's not really the safest place in the world so PV is just so much chill, more chill. So I said, let's check it out. And the first day I, I arrived here, I was like, oh my God, I just love it. I don't know why even yet, but I really, really like it. And yeah, and then I, uh, we fell totally in love. So I don't even speak Spanish still because everything is so easy to speak in English. I mean, everybody speaks in English, so that's kind of a little bit sad. But it's, it's also, that's the reason why I haven't been learning Spanish properly for the last two years, because it's just, I haven't took, who I'm even gonna practice with people like to like to just go switch into English but that's the thing we have here like people retired we have here a slow expats living here we have a lot of like nomads coming and going so so it's just a huge mixture of all ages people with businesses freelancers and so on and already people like uh, kind of like you know not working anymore and stuff like that there's everything and of course like a lot of travels and so on it's very open-minded it's I think one of the like Mexico City is also very open minded for like different for gays and, and so on there's like a lot of like there's even like a whole whole zone romantic zone like for a lot of it with clubs and, and stuff like that so which which makes you like feel kind of like oh it's a safe place for everybody which is like really nice as well and it's really like feels free and, and stuff like I really like that part as well yeah I like I like to dance salsa the food of course uh, is amazing the beach and the nature so when the east coast of Mexico is more like flat and maybe dry then and BV is like, you know, you can be at the beach and then you can drive like 50 minutes and you're in a rainforest and then there's a waterfall and all that like variety I like. I really like it. You have Old Town and then you have like a hipster area oh, and then you have boats and marina area, which is fancier. So on cocktail bars. So it's like... It's so diverse. That's what I like it. And also, same time, it's not too big. It's also definitely not too small. So it's like just just right. So now we last year, we bought our uh, also apartment here that's going to be ready as an investment here. And we, we really like it here. It's a really nice place and, and highly recommend to check it out. Also co-working spaces, cafes, everything is here. It's cool. Fantastic. Those are great insights. Thank you so much for that. So if my listeners want to get a hold of you, if they want to find out more about what you do or they want to work with your your agency either to to scale or as an influencer, first of all, where can we send them and yeah, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so darielagency.com. I'm going to send you the links. So there you can see all my team, what we do, the services, case studies, all of that is there. There's a link where you can book a call with us if you have any kind of questions, no strings attached, just like a 30-minute free call is, is not is not the problem to answer some of your questions. I also have a personal website. LinkedIn is a good way where to find me as well. And Alintonava, there is like, uh, you can reach out there as well. And my social media, Instagram, but I don't post anything really official. It's more about my daily life, which is like about traveling or, or very, I'm not doing any kind of like, I'm definitely not an influencer. It's more for my friends and family and people who want to know how, how I live my everyday life because I have nothing to hide. So most, mm-hmm. most of the time it's some silly stuff I post and or stuff like that. <laughs> Don't expect something very educational from there, but I do have an Instagram. <laughs> I can post that link as well. Amazing. And we'll make sure that we put all of the links of these under your episode at expatmoneyshow.com for the podcast. And amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you. That was fun. Good luck with everything. Bye. <laughs> 
Okay, I am sure that you have heard me talk about it. We were able to acquire expatmoney.com, our new website. We started completely from scratch. Yes, we still have the expatmoneyshow.com website, but it's really being used just for the podcast itself. But obviously, this is much bigger than just a podcast. A podcast is great, and I love this podcast, and I love everybody who's listening to this, but that is only one small piece of the puzzle. If you go to expatmoney.com, our brand new website, you will see a new blog, new webinars, tons of different resources to help you, as well as a shop and a place that you guys can get special consulting services if you want to work with me, if you need a helping hand on this. So go to expatmoney.com, expatmoney.com. Check out the new website, bookmark the website, subscribe to everything there, and it's going to be amazing. I'm super pumped about it, and I hope you are too. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.